well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. So glad that you've joined us on the program today. We've got a busy one for you coming up here in just a matter of moments. Larry Keene is going to join us, Senior Vice President, General Counsel for the National Shooting Sports Foundation. We're going to talk about a story uh, broken by the Wall Street Journal on Tuesday afternoon, Smith & Wesson filing a lawsuit against uh, New Jersey Attorney General Gabir Gruwal, or Gruwal rather, uh, over a subpoena that the Attorney General's office sent to Smith & Wesson back in October. Apparently, Smith & Wesson, not the only gun company uh, to receive one of these subpoenas by New Jersey's Attorney General. Uh, this subpoena is asking for all kinds of information related to advertising and marketing materials for Smith & Wesson, presumably other gun companies as well, uh, but also asking uh, Smith & Wesson for things like, you know, did you ever uh, uh, claim that owning a gun could make you safer? Uh, really, you know, politically charged uh, statements here. So what's going on with this case? Why is the Attorney General uh, asking for this information? And what does the Attorney General plan to do with this information? Uh, as well as what, well, will we see other companies follow suit uh, and, and sue the state of New Jersey uh, rather than handing over, uh, you know, a, a broad range of internal documents? Let's talk about this again with the Senior Vice President and General Counsel of the National Shooting Sports Foundation, the Trade Association for the Firearms Industry, Larry Keene, who joins us here on today's Bearing Arms Cam and Company. Hey, Larry, thank you so much, sir, for coming on the program. It's good talking with you today. Always a pleasure to spend time with you, Jim. So I, l let's talk, if we can, um, about what's going on in New Jersey. Wall Street Journal reported uh, on Tuesday that the Attorney General of New Jersey, Gabir Gruel, has sent a subpoena to Smith & Wesson, uh, basically wanting just a, a huge range of internal documents related to advertising and marketing. Uh, you're quoted there in the Wall Street Journal as saying that um, – uh, other companies may very well have received these same subpoenas. Can you talk about uh, what, what you know about the scope and the size of, of, of the uh, fishing expedition? It looks like the, uh, the Attorney General's endeavoring to go on here. Yeah, it, it is. If you read the complaint and the subpoena is attached as an exhibit to the complaint, it is, as you say, uh, a complete fishing expedition. And it is all focused on and trying to obtain internal documents that purport to support some nebulous theory about fraudulent advertising by Smith & Wesson. But if you look carefully at what they're asking, it's really opinions uh, and public policy positions. It's not really asking about actual advertising. And the, and the time period goes back literally decades. And so it's really looking for essentially every single piece of marketing material and internal documents related to marketing. And this is coming from the uh, Attorney General of New Jersey, who is uh, an avowed anti-gun advocate. And uh, this is part of an overall effort between Democrat anti-gun Democrat attorneys general and the gun control groups like Giffords, Everytown, and Brady, which are now coordinating amongst themselves and have unlimited funding because of Mayor Bloomberg's uh, checkbook. They are now uh, working with state attorneys general and uh, with white shoe law firms. If you recall back in 
November 2016, there was an article in the New York Times that talked about how the Brady Center had put together this legal dream team, if you will, of white shoe, large white shoe law firms to assist them in coming up with ways to sue the firearms industry out of existence, to extract discovery, and then to, as former Treasury Secretary under Bill Clinton famously said, this is regulation through litigation. It's like we went into Mr. Peabody's time machine and went back to the mid-1990s, in the early 2000s, when we saw a similar unholy alliance between Democrat big city mayors, plaintiff's lawyers who bet wrong on tobacco litigation, and uh, gun control groups. Now we see you know, a coalition between big, big white you know, shoe firms, Democrat attorneys general, and the major gun control groups, and, and others like um, religious groups uh, that have backed uh, and been involved in the shareholder proposals against Smith & Wesson, mm-hmm. Ruger, and other publicly traded companies. And uh, we know that the law firm group is has been for several years meeting on a regular basis to plan this attack on the industry. And they um, are attempting to weaponize, if you will, the Soto decision from the Connecticut Supreme Court. Recently, there was, and it's referenced in the complaint, a conference put on by uh, the Brennan Law Center at New York University Law School, Yale Law School, and Duke Law School, involving, number, uh, for example, Connecticut Attorney General Tom, who's very anti-gun, and some of the lawyers involved in this organization from Paul Weiss and Cravath. Uh, one of the lawyers, for example, is now co-counsel to the plaintiffs in the Soto case. And they talked in the purpose of the, the title of the conference was you know, firearms litigation. And there were several panels. It's like four hours long. They talked about how um, the path forward for litigation was to uh, push on these advertising or marketing theories like we see in Soto, like we see in another case against Smith & Wesson in California State Court called Goldstein versus Ernest. That's a shooting involving the Poway Synagogue in which a disturbed individual lawfully purchased a rifle from a retailer out there and then used that in a criminal shooting. And they are focused on trying to attach liability to Smith & Wesson based on advertising. Uh, so, And we see that Smith & Wesson is a target of an FTC petition by Brady and Everytown together under the name of Fred Gutenberg, who's one of the parents from Parkland, who's become very active in the gun, gun control community. Uh, so we see a growing focus on advertising claims by these you know, big law firms and these attorneys general. There's no doubt in my mind that the, whatever documents might be produced by Smith & Wesson in response to that fishing expedition, overly broad and burdened, burdensome and harassing subpoena would be shared with the gun control groups, would be shared with these white shoe law firms, several of which are now representing 
state attorneys general um, in these, you know, on firearms litigation. Mm-hmm. So it, it is there, you know, collecting data, sharing data, targeting lawsuits and attacks against the firearms industry. Um, this is very much like it was back in the late 1990s, early 2000. Uh, you know, they are focused on this advertising marketing theory, you know, weaponizing Soto. And I think they view this as an ideal time to press their agenda because they see NRA distracted by internal issues, as we are all well aware of, uh, and that they now have a, an ally in the White House, Biden and Harris, and they hope to have a control over Congress to push their radical gun control agenda. So this yeah. is, a, you know, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I mean, so for, for folks who don't aware, or who don't know, uh, Soto was this case out of Connecticut mm-hmm. uh, in which a judge said that uh, despite the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act, uh, a lawsuit against Remington could proceed because it was based, again, on their advertising and marketing materials. And, and so gun control groups, as you pointed out, they've seized on that judge's decision and say, all right, look, here's our opening. Even with the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act in place, we can now target these gun companies through their marketing materials, through their advertising materials. Right. Um, so, so, so to that end, I mean, again, you just lay out, you know, they, they, they now believe that they've got, uh, in fact, they know they've got friends uh, in the incoming administration uh, they know that they've got anti-gun attorneys general around the country, like uh, 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 we'll, we'll go ahead and pronounce his name correctly, uh, Javier Becerra uh, out in California, uh, Gabriel Gruel in New Jersey, uh, the Connecticut attorney general, as you just mentioned. This coordinated effort, Larry, you know, as you say, going back to the 1990s, um, that's why we have the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act yeah. in place to begin with, because of those junk lawsuits that were filed trying to bankrupt the industry. Obviously, um, Congress, it might be difficult to get uh, revisions to the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act in place. But, you know, my, my first thought when I saw this was that there are a number of state level protections in addition to the federal legislation. Um, I believe that this is an abuse of, of the, you know, an, an attack on the First Amendment rights of uh, corporations like Smith & Wesson. But uh, is there a legislative fix for, for, for these types of fishing expeditions or is this something that the courts uh, really are going to have to be the battleground where this is fought and, and, and plays out. Well, you know, the Soto case arises out of the Sandy Hook tragedy. Uh, and yes, I think the courts are going to have to step in and uh, stop this abuse of power. Uh, as they did 20 years ago, many of the cases that were brought were dismissed for failure to state a claim that they were totally lacking in any legal merit. Um, but this is a coordinated conspiracy, if you will, between these gun control groups, these anti-gun AGs and politicians, uh, and, and these big white shoe law firms. They are meeting, they are coordinating, they are talking to each other, and they are planning to try to destroy the Second Amendment, bankrupt the industry, and if they can't bankrupt the industry through frivolous litigation and discovery, that, that as they thought before, the industry will and industry members will have to simply capitulate and surrender and agree to restrictions that they can never get passed through Congress or the state legislatures. So it's regulation through litigation. You either go bankrupt defending yourselves or you, you know, you become subservient to our will and we will impose gun control through settlements uh, and judgments um, because we can't pass them 
to Congress. And you're exactly right. The Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act was a direct response to the lawsuits filed by the Brady Center, plaintiffs' lawyers, and big city mayors, all of whom were Democrats, with the sole exception of Rudy Giuliani, who sued the industry as well. People should not forget that about Rudy Giuliani. Um, and it was, a, you know, 30 some odd states passed state tort reform to stop these lawsuits. And then Congress in 2005 passed the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act. They, are, they have been trying for 15 years to have it declared unconstitutional. Every single appellate court has said no, with one exception, which is this um, rogue panel of three judges in Pennsylvania Court of Appeals that ruled the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act is unconstitutional. Now the uh, Springfield Armory, the defendant in that case, and it's a straight up criminal shooting, um, uh, has filed a motion for re-argument by the, uh, you know, by the entire panel of the Court of Appeals. That's been granted, and that um, frivol- that really just wrong-headed decision has been set aside. It's no longer valid. But that was something they talked about at this NYU, Yale, Duke um, firearms litigation conference. They were very excited about that decision. It happened before the court vacated the order. Uh, and they think that um, you know, the Soto decision was the court found that these generalized unfair deceptive trade practices acts constitute uh, an exception to the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act, what's called the predicate exception. Uh, and we think that's clearly wrong. So did three of the seven judges in the court from the Connecticut Supreme Court. Uh, and most courts have said, no, the predicate exception has to be a specific statute specifically applied to the industry, not statute of general application like public nuisance or these generalized unfair trade deceptive practices act. You mentioned the First Amendment and you're exactly right. And in fact, Smith and Wesson in moving to dismiss the lawsuit in San Diego, the Goldstein case, has asserted, uh, which was not really asserted in the Soto case very much, that their advertising is protected commercial speech. And so they cannot have liability attached for constitutional First Amendment protected activity, particularly when that First Amendment speech is related to another constitutional right here, the Second Amendment. There are narrow exceptions uh, that would apply. That's a question of law for the court. It's not a jury question. Uh, and so we'll see what the court in San Diego, San Diego says on that matter and what this federal district court in New Jersey has to say about this abuse of power, which Smith & Wesson has alleged is a violation of its First Amendment rights, its Second Amendment rights, its Fifth and Fourteenth Amendment, and is a violation of the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Commerce Arms Act. It's an attempt to chill speech by Smith & Wesson, and it will most assuredly not be contained to Smith & Wesson. And I'm aware of one other subpoena by the state of New Jersey, by the attorney general, to another company that is not litigated, at least at this point. And I'm sure that this is a, um, from the New Jersey attorney general, a test case. But mark my words, there is a coordinated conspiracy going on between gun control groups that are now working together, these anti-gun Democrat AGs and other politicians, and these large white shoe law firms to bankrupt or destroy the industry, and with it, the Second Amendment. 
And your listeners should pay attention because this is very, very real. And it is a very real existential threat to the future of the Second Amendment. Absolutely. Larry Keene, Senior Vice President, General Counsel with the National Shooting Sports Foundation. Uh, We're going to continue covering this story with a uh, magnifying glass. I look forward to having you back on again with any updates. But uh, I thank you very much for your time today. And uh, and I look forward to talking about the fights ahead here in the very near future. It's always good to spend time with you, Cam. Hope you're staying well and staying healthy. Thank you, sir. Larry Keene, Senior Vice President, General Counsel of the National Shooting Sports Foundation with us here on Bearing Arms Cam and Company. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Larry. Certainly do appreciate Larry joining us on the program. We're obviously going to continue to follow any developments in this story, including uh, any other gun makers who uh, choose to fight uh, the attorney general's subpoena in court. But to keep in mind, I mean, this we're going to see more of this uh, over the next four years, not just through the Biden-Harris administration and the Federal Department of Justice, which I do believe will be weaponized against our Second Amendment rights, but uh, anti-gun attorney generals, anti-gun governors, wherever gun control activists think that they can make inroads, they will find those allies that will use those allies to attack our right to keep and bear arms, both as individual gun owners and, again, attacks on the firearms industry as well. All right, let's turn our attention now to today's Armed citizen story, our good deed of the day, as well as our recidivist report. We're going to start there with a case out of Baltimore, Maryland. A young man named uh, Stephen Tate is accused of murder and it sure sounds like, hey, I mean, it sounds like he should have been behind bars. But it also sounds like there was a screw up with the uh, probation and uh, a parole department there in the state of Maryland. It was last year that Stephen Tate was convicted of carjacking. And he got probation in that case. Um, it was supervised probation. But. He wanted to uh, take part in a Job Corps program. Um, And in order to do that, he had to be on unsupervised probation. Baltimore City Circuit Judge approved the request according to Fox in Baltimore. Eleven months later, as COVID began to, uh, you know, shut down programs, Job Corps closed its on-site job centers. So, Stephen Tate is now not taking part in the Job Corps training. He's still on unsupervised probation even though he should have been returned to supervised probation. As Fox Baltimore says, the decision allows Tate to appear less threatening. At least that's how Tate appears to the outside world that only has access to electronic court records. Well, within months of um, him being placed on unsupervised probation, he was released on electronic monitoring. He violated that electronic monitoring Uh, Fox Baltimore says within months he was involved in a police pursuit in connection to a murder uh, that happened hours earlier uh, there in the city of Baltimore. He has since been charged uh, with murder in that case uh, where an individual uh, was shot. And Stephen Tate, again, probably should have been behind bars for carjacking. Certainly should have been behind bars on uh, or certainly should have been under supervised probation. Uh, but instead was left just, you know, running loose on the streets uh, after being convicted just last year of a violent felony offense. Now, today's armed citizen story from the uh, state of Virginia, uh, Henrico, Virginia, where a homeowner ended up uh, chasing a uh, home invasion suspect. It was just before 830 on Tuesday morning. Officers uh, called to a home there in Henrico. 
Uh, actually, they got two calls. One, a breaking and entering call. The other, a firearm violation. Police said video surveillance from inside the home captured a burglar walking around the house. At some point, though, the homeowner returns home and then spies the burglar inside his residence. Uh, Lieutenant Matt Petka says, quote, firearms were presented, causing that suspect to flee from the scene. The homeowner was attempting to possibly make an apprehension. Pekka added that the homeowner chased the suspect from the property across the street. And at that time, a shot was fired. They said the suspect uh, able to get away on foot. Uh, police are investigating right now. Looks to be a, a case of self-defense, but we'll uh, follow up with any additional information uh, as it becomes available. And finally today, our good deed of the day from Allendaw, South Carolina, where uh, Lance Corporal Griffin Allison, in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing to save a life. He's a uh, officer with the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources, and he was the first on the scene of a wreck involving a dump truck and a pickup truck. Yeah, that's not good. The uh, occupants of the dump truck were able to get out of their vehicle, but the driver of the pickup was trapped inside, and the truck started to catch on fire. Lieutenant Corporal Allison and the occupants of the dump truck were, quote, able to free and rescue the driver from the pickup truck seconds before it was fully engulfed in flames. By the time the Allendale mcclellanville Fire Department arrived, the pickup truck and the dump truck both on fire. Clearly, lives would have been lost were it not for the uh, quick-thinking actions of Lance Corporal Griffin Allison there with the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources. So in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. Lance Corporal, we thank you, sir, very much for your very good deed. That is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program as always. Don't forget, so many ways to find us these days. You can uh, subscribe to Town Hall Media on YouTube. You can sign up and uh, subscribe to Bearing Arms Cam and Company on rumble.com. If you like your video, if you just want the audio, it's fine too. We've got you covered as well. Uh, you can find us at Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, townhall.com's podcast page. We make it so easy for you not only to find Bearing Arms Cam and Company, for, but for you to share it as well. We certainly do appreciate you spreading the word. Have a great rest of your hump day Wednesday. We'll be back tomorrow with more of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. But until then, be well, be safe. And be free.